If you, if you have your Bibles today, we're going to continue our series on growth to maturity. Each week we add another layer to it. And today we're going to talk about the purpose of maturity. If you're taking notes, today we're going to talk about the purpose. Last week we, we talked about the pain of maturity. Now we're going to add a layer of purpose. Because the whole purpose of maturity is to lead you to purpose. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to be continue to use the book of Corinthians as a template. We've been doing this for the last five or six weeks. Because uh, Paul was encouraging this group of believers in the city of Corinth to grow to maturity. He says you can't just be okay with going to church. You can't just be okay with your gifts and your talents. You've got to grow to maturity and become everything God wants you to become. And so that's what we've been doing the last few weeks. And we have two more weeks to go. And I think if you ask me, the whole purpose of maturity is to get to this place of purpose. Like God wants you to live on purpose. And he has a purpose for your life. But if you don't grow to maturity, you don't recognize it and you don't fulfill that purpose. Can you say amen? So we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 9. It's going to sound a little bit different because uh, as I study, I always like to go to different translations to best uh, bring the message. And this time around, when I was studying, uh, the message translation was the best one that I felt communicated this focus. And so it's going to sound a little bit different because the message translation is a paraphrase of the Bible. And, and it reads like this in 1 Corinthians 9. It says this. Again, this is Paul. He says, even though... I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone. I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. Paul was like, I just want to reach whoever. I didn't, this is key, though. I didn't take on their way of life. Okay, so highlight that. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I enter their world and try to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-save life. That's purpose. I did all this because of the message, the good news, the gospel. I didn't just want to talk about it. I want to be in on it. Can you say amen? So the purpose of maturity. We've been saying the last several weeks that a mature believer is faithful and fruitful as their true selves in Jesus. A mature believer is faithful and fruitful as their true selves in Jesus. So the whole purpose of growing to maturity is that you would be more faithful, more fruitful, but that you would be true to who Jesus called you to be. Are you tracking so far? The purpose of maturity, if you're taking notes, is for you to live on purpose. In other words, it helps you to refine or redefine what your purpose in life is. Better yet, it helps you to live in tune with the why 
of your life. You need a why. You need a why that wakes you, makes you wake up in the morning. And you need a why that helps you to push through challenging days. You need a why when temptation is at the door. You need a why when trials is at the door. You need a why when confusing is at the door. The why keeps you grounded. It keeps you focused. It keeps you motivated. It keeps you inspired. It keeps you on the straight and narrow. Can you say amen? The apostle Paul, my friends, had a strong sense of his why. His why, if you can summarize this, was to become all things to all men that he may win some for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was Paul's why. Every letter that he writes, every trip that he takes, Paul is like, man, I'm trying to do everything I can to reach as many people with the gospel of Jesus Christ as possible. Can I tell you something? We, wanna, we should clap for that. That's good. <laughs> we got to help each other here. Oh, for my ADD friends, because this happens every time I wear this shirt. HDA means is glory alone, so stop wondering. <laughs> Every time I went to the show, people were like, what is the HGA? His glory alone, so leave me alone. Okay. <laughs> All right, moving on. Can I tell you something now? This is extremely challenging to do. It's not easy to become all things to all men that you might win some. This is a God-given calling. Not everyone is able to pull this off. Not everyone is mature enough in their faith to be confident in who God is and confident in who they are to put themselves in other people's positions and not feel like they are selling out. Notice he said, I didn't take on their way of living. For you to do that, you have to be extremely grounded in your own faith. Not just your faith, but you got to be grounded in your own confidence of who God created you to be. That you can walk in any given situation and circumstance and be who God called you to be. In other words, you don't have to be somebody else. Or something else. This, my, my friends, this is the, the, to me, this is the pinnacle of maturity. The strength to be your true self in Jesus is the pinnacle of spiritual maturity. Where you're not letting other people dictate your life, but you know that my life counts for the purpose of reaching others. That I'm not in this just for me. Which is a struggle if we're going to be God's people. We can't be in this just for me, myself, and I. That's not the gospel. The gospel is about everyone else that can come and meet this Jesus that we love so much. Can you say amen? amen. But you have to be extremely secure. You have to be confident in the gospel. And in what God has called you to do to be able to not compromise the gospel. For those who don't understand Paul's calling, they would say Paul is a chameleon. A lot of times, you know, the word chameleon is only used in negative terms. But if you understand anything about nature, is that chameleons were giving a certain gift 
in order to survive and in order to, to, to maintain life. So we always look at it from a negative standpoint, but Paul is like, no, I have a purpose in what I'm doing, and it doesn't mean I'm changing the core of who I am. All I change is the approach. That's important. Integrity is being who you are no matter where you are. Being a missionary is knowing how to contextualize the gospel with who is in front of you. That's the difference. If you, if you study anyone who goes on a mission, the first order of business when you go on mission is to acclimate yourself with the culture around you. Because you want to make sure that you're speaking a language that they can understand. And when I say a language, I don't just mean the words that come out of your mouth, but how you're approaching yourself. Don't you, in some cultures, if someone offers you food and you don't accept it, you just offended them. So it's important, my friends, if we're going to be God's people, that we should know a little bit about the culture that we're in. The struggle that I find with Christianity after a while is that, is that this, you got to, it's a mature word. Problem is, sometimes we get so acclimated with church that we become churchified. And now we don't make any sense to anyone outside of it. It's like all of a sudden, now we have insider language. You ever been talking with someone who has a certain trade and they have inside a language and you feel like you're on the outside looking in? It's like the worst part of a joke is being outside of it. <laughs> Everybody's laughing and you're like, ah, what? what are we laughing about? Right? You ever talk to people who are into trading stocks, for example? There's inside a language in trading stocks. You ever talk to people who are too much into football? There's inside a language. Of football, and they look at you like you're an idiot. Like, what do you mean you don't know what four-three defense is? No, I don't. <laughs> right? And so that's that's okay because that's passing time. But when it comes to the gospel, the Bible says we're called to reach the world. Not we're called not to look down at the world or pretend they're not there or pretend we're better than them. We're supposed to acclimate ourselves into the culture to reach the culture. But that takes maturity to understand that. See, the purpose of maturity, if you're taking notes, is to make you useful. <laughs> Revelation. It's like, what is the purpose of me becoming mature? If I'm not becoming mature to be useful for the gospel, then I'm useless. What would be the point of knowing every Bible passage and, and, and break it down in Greek and Hebrew, but I'm not reaching anybody with it? What would be the point of coming to church week after week just for me to get more out of God's will, but I'm not sharing it with anyone else? That's some people's definition of maturity, because I've heard it over the years. I'm just trying to find a church that can feed me. It's like, how much more? You're 42. Well, you're still looking for someone to spoon feed you. When are you going to take up the spoon and feed somebody else? There is a universal calling on everyone. Did you know this? 
In Genesis, God says, I want you to be, be fruitful and multiply. That's a universal calling. Like, God didn't say that for some people. God said that for humanity. He says, I want you to be fruitful, and I want you to multiply. Now, purpose is being able to narrow your focus of where you're going to be fruitful. Now, that's a word. Right? Purpose is knowing, okay, I am called to be fruitful and to multiply, but I have a certain place where I'm going to be effective in being fruitful and multiplying. For Paul, where's the mission field? He knew, hey, this is my calling. I'm called to all people everywhere to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so each and every mature believer needs to be asking the question, God, what is my big why? That's what a mature believer is focused on. What is my big why? Why on earth am I here? Where is my vein, God, where I can be fruitful and I can multiply? See, purpose narrows down your why. You have a why. It's in you already. The purpose of this journey is to unlock that why and to make you effective. And faithful and fruitful as your true self in Jesus. See, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, had a clear why. Jesus' mission statement was clear. In Luke 19, look, Jesus tells you clearly, he said, look, for the Son of Man, which is the title he gave himself, right, came to seek and to save the lost. That's a clear mission statement. Every company has a mission statement. Jesus says, hey, the kingdom, me, I'm all about seeking and saving the lost. And I'm not going to do anything outside of that. That blows my mind about Jesus. He should have been the busiest man on earth. He's the CEO of heaven. Like his calendar should be like 24-7. Jesus should be busy. But Jesus had a rhythm and a flow. Why? Because he knew, hey, I'm all about my father's business, and I'm here to seek and save the lost. And then I'm going to equip you to go and do the same exact thing. And that's what drove Paul the apostle, because Paul the apostle was called by Jesus. Jesus is like, I'm calling you now, but I want you to go out into the Gentile world. And bring the same gospel that I'm bringing to you in this moment. Question for you today. What is the driving force of your life? This week to, to prep for this message, I decided to revisit one of the classics. The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. By the way, that's a book you should read once a year. It's a 40-day it's a reading. But every year, I believe, you need to lock in on the purpose that God put you on this earth for. In that book, Rick Warren says, everyone is driven by something. Right now, in this moment, your life is being driven by something. Either directly or indirectly, which is worse. Sometimes... We are driven by autopilot. Some people go to church this morning, on the Sunday morning, but they went there on autopilot. It's, it's Sunday, we must go to church. That's a terrible drive. Don't elbow anybody. 
What is drive? Drive is defined as three things, right? Drive is, is what's guiding you, what's controlling you, and what's directing your life. Drive is what's guiding you right now. You are guided by something. You are controlled by something. And you are being directed by something. But here's the catch when it comes to the believer. The first sentence in the book, The Purpose Driven Life. The first sentence, if you read it, it says, it's not about you. And that's where the jamming happens. Because we think... Everything in our society says, if you want to find purpose, find yourself. And we wonder why we're all miserable. Because we're getting in the way of ourselves. But the Bible says, if you want to find purpose, find the one who created you with purpose. So he can tell you what your purpose is. Think about it, right? If I was to bring an invention up here right now, and we've never seen it before, it's brand new on the market, and we have no idea what it does... I don't know about you. I want to know who created this thing. I'm not going to just create a purpose for this thing. I have no idea what this thing does. I want to know who is the inventor, who is the creator, and what purpose did you have when you created this thing? My friends, that's the whole purpose of this journey. We have a creator. We have an inventor. And he says, I programmed you with some things in you. And he's to come out of you. Because I don't know about you, it would be insane to think that the inventor said, hey, my purpose is to gather people in a building once a week so they can sing Kumbaya and go home with a little chill in their body. Oh, that's great. No, that's boring. Can you imagine that? Create an invention and, and, and you're on, the, on, and you're on the, the, the channel that sells stuff. Hey, I'm here to sell you something. I got this great thing that you can do once a week <laughs> for two hours. It's going to be very exciting. It's going to bless your life. And then the rest of the week, you can do whatever. My friends, that's boring. That's religion. There's no excitement there. You see... Life is about living for God because God has a purpose for my life. Anyone who is boring church is because they're not connected to their purpose. Rick Warren goes on to say, listen, the problem is, he said, by default, we have certain drives already in us. If we're not connected with the creator, we will go to these drives. And he says, this is typical drives that he said, these are kind of universal drives that we have in life, unfortunately. He says, look, some of us are driven by guilt. Some of us is anger and resentment. Some people is fear. Some people is materialism. And some people is approval. So let me ask you again. What is the driving force of your life? A few weeks ago, we talked about a, name, a man named Cain. Cain was disappointed that God didn't accept his offering. Do you know what the outcome of Cain's life was? The Bible says he wandered the earth aimlessly. Do you know what that is? That's living right here. Cain never recovered from killing his brother. And he lived with guilt. For the rest of his life. There's many people on earth right now wandering aimlessly. Just aimlessly. Getting up every day aimlessly. Why? Because they've allowed the past to shape their present. 
in their future. But we have a God who says, if you confess your sins, I am faithful and just to forgive you and to empower you to live above the level of your sin and mediocrity. So, for some of you today, you need to surrender that guilt if you're going to live on purpose. Because there are people in your life that you need to forgive, not for them, but for you to unlock your purpose. Other people live right here in anger and resentment. Depending on your personality, when you're living in anger and resentment, you either clamp up or you blow up. Some people will, will, will go quietly into anger and resentment and they'll shut everybody out and they'll just leave isolated. And some people will go on Facebook and tell you why everybody is going to hell. <laughs> it, it all depends on your personality. You will either clamp up or you will blow up all in caps. <laughs> and then sit back and boil in anger. Friends, what a sad way to live life, to allow anger and resentment. Remember, he told Cain, if you do the right thing, won't I bless you? Hey, I want to bless you. I don't want you to live in anger and resentment. Some of y'all, you have a good day today, and then all of a sudden you go to Shaw's and you walked into that person. And your day is ruined. It's time to let go of that anger and resentment. It's time to come to the altar and say, God, I need to lay down this anger and this resentment. For some people, it's fear. Maybe you had an accident. Maybe things didn't go right when you were growing up. Maybe you have a big trauma that has really like blocked you from reaching your full potential. And the problem is you now begin to play a reserve life because you're like, I don't want to take a chance. And, and, and that's a sad place to live because the saddest reality about living is to not have a reason for it. See, some people will, I was driving yesterday coming out of my prayer time and I drove by the nursing home and I saw a lot of senior citizens outside in a lounge, uh, in a lounge area there playing. And I thought, man, it must be fun, right? Like, <laughs> like your, your whole schedule is... Joe, what are we doing today? What, what are we playing? And <laughs> what's on TV? You know, which is, like, like that part was kind of cool because I'm like, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind having some days where I'm just like, I got nothing. I'm just figuring out what are we playing today, Joe? <laughs> like, that's not a bad gig. But then I realized this. I realized at the same time as I'm thinking this, I realized, wow, some people could live to be 90 and never had purpose. So I, I, I don't know about you, but the trade-off is, man, to live long or to live purposefully. Jesus lived for 33 years and he had the greatest purpose on earth. So it's not how long you live. But fear, my friends, fear makes life boring. Because you can't attempt anything. Because fear tells you, what are you doing? You can't. That's crazy. Don't step out. And what happens? You deflect every opportunity to step out and you live a safe life. I don't know about you. If I have to live in my home for three years to avoid COVID, don't get me wrong, I'd rather live. 
three, four years? The way they're projecting this thing? It might be four or five years before you come out of your house. That's like... Have you... Uh, have you watched Marvel? Well, people disappeared and they just showed up five years later. Okay, bad illustration. Some of y'all are like, I forget that part. I'm just going to move on. This is not youth ministry. Uh, I <laughs> okay, kids, don't be boring. That's what I'm trying to say. Play is safe. You have nothing to show for it. And I was thinking about the nursing homes, right? We used to do an outreach to nursing homes. My favorite thing about nursing homes is stories. Like, when you sit with someone who's like, hey, I was a World War II veteran, it's like, please tell me more. Right? The worst thing you want is to sit with someone who had no stories. Can you imagine? I, always, I think about, I've thought about this many times in my life. I don't want to be that grandpa one day who sits around and going, you know, son, I almost took a chance. <laughs> then I backed up because I was like, no, nah, that, that sounds scary. If you're my great kid, you're like, grandpa, I'm out. Like, I need to find a grandfather who has stories to tell. Because people with fear won't do anything, but then they get on you for trying things. Monday morning quarterbacks, amazing. (laughs) Let me move on. Materialism. If there is something right now that I think gets in the way of the gospel, it's, it's the gospel of America. The gospel of America is bigger and better. Every single time. But we've, we've, synchronize that with the real gospel and now we're lost in translation about what actually our purpose is supposed to be because the bottom line of materialism is is that more means happiness more means are more important worse rick warren puts it this way he says remember that self-worth and net worth are not the same thing but we got people building upon building and then not realizing that they're losing their soul in the process. And I don't mean hell, I mean like purpose on earth, which is a sort of a hell, living aimlessly with no purpose. But materialism has been one of those drives that is so unfortunate in a lot of people's lives. And then lastly, approval. That's a big one. It's interesting, I was talking to someone the other day, I'm like, it's amazing to me that it seems like Peer pressure doesn't go away. I thought, you know, planting a church for adults would be different from being a youth pastor. But I'm realizing, wow, people are 40 years old and still worried about people's opinions. 40 years old and still worried about what would John say. John, he's 52 and he doesn't have a job. (laughs) Like, I'm serious. I, I, I still see people driven to please everyone. I don't know the key to every success in life. All I know is this. The key to failure is to try to please everyone. Every single time. If, if, if the purpose was to please everyone, we wouldn't even be in this building right now. Because there's a lot of people with no sense of purpose who shut down what you're trying to do. But let's get to the good stuff. The good stuff is, if you can get the wrong drives out of the way, and you surrender that to the Lord, and you recognize it first of all, because you recognize it first. Maturity is recognizing where I'm going wrong. Not what someone else is going wrong. We're so good at somebody else's going wrong. (laughs) Right? But maturity is like, where am I going wrong, God? 
and lead me down the path of everlasting life. Because I want to live with purpose, right? Purpose, on the other hand, is beautiful because purpose, go ahead, leads to these things. When you have a purpose like Paul, and it's clear, it leads to meaning, simplicity, focus, motivation, and of course, eternity. My friends, meaning is so critical to life. Life without meaning is a tragedy. I read something interesting. A doctor said, he says, I usually can tell who is going into remission. Is the person who says, who can answer the question. He says, he said, the doctor said, I have to ask a, the person a question with cancer. He says, hey, do you think you can live to be 100? He says, usually the people who have hope most likely will go to remission versus people who don't. Why? Because it plays a role in how you approach the sickness in your body. Listen, if, think about this, right? Look, a quick apologetic. If there's no God, there's no meaning. There's no hope. We're just cosmic accidents randomly walking the earth. A bunch of cells that got clumped up together to try to figure something out. Because we don't have no creative behind the scenes going, I have a purpose for you. The option outside of God is bleak. So if someone has cancer, for example, right, you bring a believer into the hospital, and you bring an atheist in, and the atheist says, see, he has cancer, where's your God? Well, the believer says to the atheist, what do you tell him? You're just a clump of cells who accidentally got here and you're going to die here and that's the end of you. What else can you say to this person? You can do it, buddy. Think about that. Next time someone says there's no God, says, okay, then what's the option? What's the alternative? The alternative, there's no meaning attached to anything. Listen, my friends, the beauty of our journey is that he says, I created you with purpose. And on this journey, you're going to unlock things as you go. I was telling someone the other day, I'm like, don't pigeonhole God to one thing. You don't know what he's going to unlock in five years from now. Because you're on a journey. And I don't know if you've caught this yet, but reading this thing, I'm finding out something interesting. The later in life, the more the purpose. I'm telling you, I don't know if you're reading this. It's almost like God says, oh, you're 80 now? You, you, you gave up the idea that you could run your life. I got this, Moses. Oh, you're 100 now, Abraham? Oh, you can't rely on Viagra anymore. I got it from here. I don't know if you see in a pattern here, the older, it's someone you gave up the idea of your own dreams and your own hopes, and God's like, now I got this. Just said Viagra. <laughs> Just thought the conversation I have to have at home when I get home. So, 
So dad, okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> purpose leads to simplicity. Simplicity is not a simple-minded. Simplicity is it just less is more. Simplicity is this, I narrow down my focus because I know my purpose. I'm not trying to do A to Z. I'm just trying to do a few things well because I know this is my sweet spot. This is where God has placed me. This is what God's called me to do. That's what simplicity is. It's, not what, it's what you do and don't do on purpose. I get a lot of emails that I just say, no. I say no to a lot of good things because I want to do great things. And some people don't understand that. They get mad thinking, why would you say no to that? Because I am saying yes to something. Don't you understand every time you say no to something, you're saying yes to something. Every time you say yes to something, you say no to something. So you got to be selective. That's what simplicity is. I'm not going to do A to Z. I'm just going to do a few things and do them well. And then focus. There's a focus that comes into your life when you have purpose. You become effective by being selective. Write this scripture down and look it up when you get home. Ephesians 5, 17. It says, says you've got to know what the Lord wants. You don't want to live aimlessly. Focus on what the Lord wants for you. For you. Not for your neighbor. But for you. It's one of my favorite passages, Jesus with his disciples. Because the disciples were, were so funny to me. It gives me a lot of hope. But Jesus was having a really like, heart-to-heart moment with Peter. After he comes back from the dead. Peter had denied him three times. You know the story. But Jesus coming to unlock his purpose. When Jesus asking Peter, do you love me? It was asking him on purpose. Hey, are we, are we going to go to distance here? I got work for you to do. Because when, when Peter says, you know, I love you. Jesus didn't go, oh, I'm so glad. Now go to that building once a week. He said, no, go feed my lambs. In other words, I got purpose for you. I'm asking you this question to unlock something in you. Not just to tell you what you want to hear. I'm telling you this for your purpose. So they're having this heart to heart and it's powerful. But funny thing is the other disciples are around. (laughs) It's like an awkward thing. Like he's he's having this moment like, yo, yo, he betrayed him. Like he's going at him. And the guys are probably like, ooh, like, yo. (laughs) And one of them speaks up. John speaks up. No, sorry. Peter speaks up on behalf of John. So Peter, he's like, bro, five weeks ago you denied Jesus three times. Shouldn't you be focused on yourself? See how human nature is? So Jesus tells him this. They have this moment, and he goes, uh, Jesus, what about him? What about John? You know what Jesus says? Go look it up. John 21. Jesus said, Peter, mind your business. What I have for John is for John. What I have for you is for you. That's focus. I've told you this many times. God bless every church in the city. I just know that I have a focus that God's called me to do. I'm not worried about what other churches are doing. If they're worried about what other churches are doing, they're lost in focus on what they're called to do. And then it leads to motivation. Right? Because, Because when you have a purpose, then you have a clear passion. And when you have a clear passion, you have energy. Nothing like waking up in the morning and going, I know what I'm doing today. I, I, I got to focus. I'm going to add another layer to this thing today. I know what I'm doing this week. I tell our staff every week, hey, our week starts Sunday night. We need to know what are we doing this week. 
So we create a to-do list every Sunday. Why? Because we don't want to walk into Monday aimlessly. Because why? Because your week adds to your months and your month adds to your years. And he who aims at nothing hits it every time. Now you'd be surprised two, three years will go by, you're like, where have you accomplished? Because of lack of motivation to say, hey, we got some things we need to do here. Clear passion brings energy. And then lastly, for the believer, you have eternity in mind. You're not living for the moment. You're living for an eternal legacy. Don't you know this? The Bible says in Romans 14, write this down and look it up when you get home. Romans 14, verses 10 and 12. It says you're going to give an account to God for your life. And there's two questions that God's most likely going to ask you. Number one question he's going to ask you is, what did you do with my son did for you? Did you put your trust in him? Did you live in his forgiveness and will and mercy? That's what it means to follow Jesus. My friends, just coming to church does not make you a believer. Are you trusting in Jesus as the Lord of your life, the Savior of your life? Because Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. He didn't say anything about being a good person. He says, are you under my salvation and in my salvation? Second question is going to ask you is, what did you do with what I gave you? Your life is a gift from God. Your energy, your talents, your traits, your personalities, your abilities. God's going to say, hey, did you use all that to build your own thing or did you use it to bless others? He's not going to, listen, let me put some people at ease here. God's not going to ask you what church you went to. He's not going to ask you, hey, what is your understanding of the doctrine of sanctification? He's not going to ask you, hey, uh, I was just wondering before you come in, you believe in free will or predestination? Because this can make you break it right now. <laughs> the silly stuff that we get hung up on, God's like, no, did you trust me as the Lord and Savior of your life? Did you live for the glory of my name? That's what he's going to focus on. And then he's going to say, hey, now the second judgment, it's not about eternal judgment. It's about your reward judgment. You know, the Bible says there's a reward coming for those who labor for him. That's what you do with your abilities, your talent, your money, your tra- like all of that. God's like, hey, how did you utilize all the stuff, the resources that I gave you? Your breath is a resource. You know, one of the greatest resources you have available to you right now is not your bank account. It's your time. What are you doing with your time? God's not going to say, hey, man, man, you were amazing at binge watching. <laughs> like, we're up here going, man, this dude's going to break a record. <laughs> binge watching, like, he's incredible. Fortnite, man, you killed. No, up here, you got a fan hood over here. No, you know what the saddest thing about life is? Being good at something that doesn't matter. That fantasy football team, man, you crushed it every year. It's too bad that we don't have any rewards for that up here. <laughs> but good job killing it every year. No, eternity, my friends. That's what God is interested in. I told you last week, we live behind enemy lines. We're not home yet. 
So we're, we're, we're getting ready for eternity. God is preparing us to live for all eternity, and it takes purpose. Let me run real quick. I got five minutes. Our church purpose, I, I want to make sure we're clear on this because here's why this is important. If you don't understand why you're in this place, then you're going to get either frustrated or you're going to get upset and you're going to miss the point. Every church, I don't know if you pay attention yet, we've been reading through the New Testament, they have a mandate. They have a mission. They have a drive. Right? For us, God gave us this clear drive seven, almost eight years ago. Like he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to create a church for the unchurched. Like what Paul says about, about reaching religious, non-religious, you know, loose, morally, all of that. Man, that excites me. That wakes me up in the morning. Because I don't want to create a church where only the religious can come to with the insider language. That doesn't excite me at all. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just telling you that ain't my drive. My drive is to see more unchurched people say, oh, I didn't know you can have a relationship with Jesus like that. I didn't have it like that. I didn't understand it like that. that that's what drives me. That's what excites me. If you give me a chance today to hang out with either someone who can break down the Greek and Hebrew or someone who doesn't even know what Greek and Hebrew is, give me that person. That's me. Like, that's what excites me. Give me a guy off the street who knows nothing about Jesus versus someone who can quote the Greek and Hebrew, but he's not reaching anybody for Jesus. So if you're wondering, this, this is where I am. This is what drives me. This is what compels me. This is what made me move to come to New Bedford is to see people meet Jesus. And to create a new normal in our region. By the way, we've been saying new normal way before COVID. I just want to put this out there. Copyright, New Lifestyle Coast, New Normal belongs to us. Because I refuse to buy into a virus being our new normal. No, our new normal is in Jesus. Come on. That's our new normal. So my friends, I love introducing people to Jesus. I get a kick out of it. That's what drives my life. That's why I wrote the basics. And that's why I wrote Untangling Jesus from Religion. It's my drive. And those who don't understand that, they don't understand what it means to be driven by a mission. I don't compromise the gospel. As some say, you water down the gospel. No, I'm trying to find common ground to reach more people for Jesus. That's the purpose. And I pray that, that you understand that as a church. That's what we're trying to do here. Here's what I believe about the mark of a church. If you don't feel comfortable inviting your friends to that church, then you don't, maybe you shouldn't go to that church. Think about it. If you're like, man, I don't feel comfortable bringing anybody here. Guess what? Then you probably shouldn't come neither. It's a simple test, litmus test of you. Are you in the right place? That's it right there. You either are ashamed of the gospel or you're ashamed of how we bring the gospel. Because the gospel has two enemies. I don't know if you understand this, but there's the two enemies of the gospel. Worldly philosophies and harsh religious spirit. Most of the times, if you're churchified, you're focused on word philosophies. Nothing wrong with that. Like the Bible says, do not love the world, right? The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Jesus says, That's, those are the enemies of your heart. 
that God came to set you free. But after a while in the church, what happens is you become churchified and you become a harsh religious critic. And you make it hard for others to come in. And that's a problem. Because in the book of Acts, when they had the first church council, they said, go look it up, Acts 15. It says, let's not make it hard for people to come to Jesus. So let's simplify this thing. The gospel is for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. But they must accept him as their Lord and Savior and walk in his righteousness and his justice and his peace. But let's not start adding commandments and laws and bylaws and hoops and all these different things. Because that's what religious people will do. Because we, unfortunately, religion can make you feel like you're superior. And all along I've been here, I don't know, but they, they give out brownies in heaven. That's not one of the rewards. No, my friends, we have to be careful with both. We talk openly about worldly philosophies. We have to be careful. Like I told you last week, right? We have to be careful that we don't buy into the way the world looks at sex money right we don't have to be careful how the world approaches relationships that's a world view but also we have to be careful that we don't become pharisees in the process because that's a double-edged sword so my friends i'll pray for you at this church i do this twice a year i bring us back to our mission twice a year i feel god calls me to do this this is what we're trying to do go ahead i pray for you you can go to the next slide. I pray for you. That's IQ, you know that. Is this. We want everyone to meet Jesus. That's why every Sunday we, we set up this time. Everyone can come from all walks of life. Like Paul said, right? You could be religious, non-religious, moralist, non-moralist, defeated, you're welcome to come meet Jesus. Everyone is welcome to come meet Jesus. And we celebrate that. We just had another baptism service, man. If you've never been to a baptism service, man, my goodness, come see the goodness of Jesus. He's still saving lives. Uh, we don't want you to be outside the joke. We want you to be in on it. The good news, Jesus saves and he loves you and he's for you. And then we don't want you to be alone. We want you to connect and find a crew because Jesus had a crew. We want you to do life with other people that you can ask questions and you can pray and you can wrestle and you can, and, you can, and you can try to figure out now, hey, I'm coming out of the world. I need to now adjust into the kingdom. Like not everything that I was doing in the world translates into kingdom. And that's where you have a group of people that can help you on the journey. So today you can start signing up for a crew. Did you know that this season we have 93 crews that you can join? We have 60 in-person crews and 23 online crews. So we don't want to leave you out if you are part of our online community. And shameful plug, this season, I do this every couple of years, I'm doing a crew for new believers. If you're a new believer, join my crew, okay? I call it Rookies for Jesus, all right? We meet Tuesday nights right here at the church, 6.30, but the condition is this. You have to be a believer for only a year or, le or less. So if you show up, you've been coming to church for 10 years, I'm gonna kick you out. 
right? If you're a new believer, join my crew. Let me, let me throw up a couple of the crews because I think you should know what's available. You go to, go to the resource center. Oh, it's on your app. Just click the app. You'll see all the crews. But I asked one of our business owners to run a crew. I said, man, run a business owner crew because it would be awesome for business owners to find a place to converge. So there's a business. If you, if you own a business, there's a crew for you. And one of my absolutely favorite crews is the Freedom Crew. Freedom Crew that helps people overcome addiction. Join that crew. Well, my friends, our prayer for you is that you, you meet Jesus, you find a crew, you join the mission. You know why? Because church is not meant to be something you consume. You have to contribute to it. Jesus says you are part of a body. And join the mission is happening this month, September 13th. So you can come to the classes, learn more about who we are and what we're trying to do. And you can join a team and be part of what God's doing here. And if you're already in a team, make some noise in this place if you're in a team. And then we want you to reproduce. Be fruitful in. Multiply. So, so if you've met Jesus, you understand the power of a crew, and you understand what it means to join a mission, now you help others do the same thing. Because you don't know you've done that until you start reproducing. It's the greatest sign of a mature believer is that you're reproducing. We have a mentoring program that we're starting in, in January, and it's an intensive mentoring program. It's a year long, but the goal is that, hey, you're going to go through this process, and then you're going to become a mentor because the Bible says, follow me as I follow Christ. And that's what the reproduction part is all about. I pray you make that your goal in life. God, I want to reproduce before I leave this earth. I want to make sure that I made some disciples before I left the earth. Can you say amen? So as usual, here's my steps. What's, what's driving you? You got to pinpoint it. Don't live aimlessly. Pinpoint what is the driving force of your life right now. What is your Jesus mission? I didn't say what your mission is. What is your Jesus mission? Because he doesn't save you for you to live for yourself. What's he calling you to do? We just did this with our volunteers. We encourage all our volunteers, which by the way is like over 400 volunteers in this church. Praise the Lord. Go to our website and take this test. It's called the, the SHAPE test. SHAPE stands for spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and experience. The things that God wants to use you for. Go take this test. It might unlock some things in you. Or maybe rediscover and refocus your life. But you have to do it in one setting. That it takes about, depends on your personality. It might take you 30 minutes. Some of y'all, it might take you three hours. I don't know. But sit with it and ask the Lord to help you. And I'll bring you back to this classic Purpose Driven Life book. If you never read it, my goodness, you need this book in your life. Once a year, you should read Purpose Driven Life to make sure you are aligned with God's purpose for your life. That's the purpose of maturity. That you would have a purpose that's bigger than you, but you're creating an eternal legacy that lasts forever. Can you stand with me as we pray this morning?
Would you bow your heads with me as we go to the Lord? Listen, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you're all watching online, listen to me. It's not enough to come to church if you haven't surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord came, he said, I came to seek and save those who are lost. You can't be found if you don't know you're lost. Nothing to do about being a good person. Are you a saved person? Are you living under the grace and the mercy and the will of God? If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, this is a moment. I believe God orchestrates these moments. I don't think nothing happens by coincidence or mistake. I believe God orchestrates these moments to say, hey, come to me. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. I want to forgive you, I want to empower you, I want to transform you. So if you're here today, you don't have a relationship with the Lord, start right here with this prayer. I believe this. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, he will come into your life and save you from yourself, from those wrong drives, from those wrong patterns of living. He says, don't conform to the way of the world, be transformed. I want to pray for you today, if that's you. With every head bowed, eyes closed. Pray this with me, but you got to say it from your heart. It's got to be that you are feeling that, that drive of your spirit. We call that the Holy Spirit. He's coming and he wants to speak to you. Would you pray this with me? We are going to pray, especially you who never trusted Jesus. You've been away from him. Pray this. Say, Father, I want to live with purpose. And I know without Jesus, I'm living aimlessly. Jesus, would you come into my life? And forgive you my sins. And empower me now to live for your glory and your honor. For the purpose you created me for. So have your way with me today. I pray in your name, Jesus. And for the rest of us, God, help us to connect with that driving force that you put in us already. May your Holy Spirit be greater than all the things that get in the way. I pray today, Lord, unlock once again the purpose that you place inside each and every one of us. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us as we worship you. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.